You're listening to the Dogaritaville Podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Lily. We are two dog professionals with two different styles, two different backgrounds, and two common goals. To drink delicious margaritas and talk about dogs. Welcome to Dogaritaville. Welcome to episode 16 of the Dogaritaville Podcast. Today we are talking about what you can do if your dog hates the vet and drinking prickly pear-themed margaritas. For every episode, each of us does our best to create a delicious margarita around our theme. We post the recipes on Instagram so you can try them at home. You can let us know if you have an idea for a theme. Our recipes always differ, so you have some variety to choose from. Uh, Today we're debuting a new segment called Crazy Stories. Uh, I, of course, can't think of a single one, so (laughs) (laughs) Lily, what do you have for us? So I also couldn't think of a single one, which is nuts because, like, we obviously both have so many. So many. But yeah, I couldn't think of one, but I was recalling that uh, the other day I was chatting with my mom and my friend Karen, and Karen told my mom this story about back when I lived in Washington. And this was before I was a dog trainer, or even I think even before daycare. So I was just doing dog walking. And I was walking this dog, Bentley. I'm pretty sure he was my first client ever. I called him the hippodogamous because he was just like a massive golden retriever. And he was the sweetest dog in the whole world. But one day I was walking Bentley and my friend Karen would often go and walks with us. So she was with us that day. And we came up on this lady walking a Rottweiler. And I'm guessing that the lady was probably like 90 pounds. And I'm guessing that the Rottweiler was more than 90 pounds. <laughs> and he looked like maybe like a teenager age dog. Like he was really big, but kind of lanky. And it absolutely did not look like she could control that dog or hold it. And sure enough, we got closer and this dog like completely broke loose from the lady and charged at us. And so when Karen was retelling this story to my mom, she was like, Lily was so amazing. She was so calm and confident and she just stepped in front of Bentley and had this authoritative energy and protected Bentley from the charging dog. And I've never seen anything like it. You would have been so proud of her. Like she was just like in awe of me and the funny part is I remember that completely differently like opposite of that like I remember full-on panicking and like going into flight or fight mode and it's true that I did step in front of Bentley but I didn't have any like heroic energy behind it I was completely convinced that I was about to die like I thought that this dog was about to kill me he was so scary (laughs) he was like snarling barking and going crazy And his tiny little owner lady was just standing like 10 feet away screaming, like not helping at all. And it was just a totally chaotic situation. I had no idea what to do. And I think I just got really lucky because I think the dog just wanted to get to Bentley and wasn't actually really interested in me. And so I just kind of kept circling around Bentley and staying in between him and the dog until the owner finally came over and got the dog. And I know for certain that I was in panic mode because I didn't say a word to that lady. Like, as soon as she got her dog, I just, like, booked it out of there and did not look back. Which, for reference, like, we should have a segment where Lily flips out on people because (laughs) she will not hesitate. She will not hesitate to do that. So it's saying a lot that she did. (laughs) Yeah, if I had, like, been in my right mind, she would have gotten my foot in her ass. So uh, that is our first 
crazy story segment about the time I looked really heroic, apparently, but was actually just a chaotic panic monster. I I think we already told it on one of the episodes, but my favorite crazy Lily story is the lady with the beads. <laughs> and the lady whose leash you threw into the woods. I think we've yeah. told both of those on air. But the, <laughs> the leash in the woods story is in our treat pouch, so you can... Oh, it's so good. Yeah. I just, I wish, I wish I had done, like, I flip out on people, but I do it in a very, like, non-confrontational way where I'll, like, go in my car and scream at them. Or, like, come on my podcast and talk shit on them. (laughs) Uh, It's pretty hard. It has to be pretty intense for me to lose it on people in person. So I really want to throw someone's leash into the woods or (laughs) or something like that. Because I just don't. Um, Yeah, I was asking Scott. I was like, do you remember any crazy stories that I've told you? And he was like reminding me of a couple of like times when I yelled at people. And I was like, I don't want to yell. I don't want to tell like a me yelling at people story. Like they're just. Yeah, all of our crazy stories are just (laughs) us yelling at people. There are too many of those. (laughs) That did like make me think of a very similar instance that happened to me. But it also made me realize that like. Kind of like with this podcast, how we're constantly struggling to like make things obvious to people that aren't like working with dogs every day because it's really hard for us because to us, it's like super normal and super basic. But to other people, they're like, wait, what? Right. Uh, But like, that's what that story reminded me of, because it's like, yeah, she saw an aggressive dog charging you and you just being like, not today, Satan. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But like to us, it's like. We don't think twice about, like, getting in between. Whereas a normal person probably would have gotten out of the way. Right? Like, I mean, so maybe. I can see why. I, I mean, I think. I don't. I feel like that would be the initial response. If an aggressive dog is charging you, you run away. Like, you're not. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't but, know. Like, <laughs> it at the time, like, I definitely did not know what to do. I just. I think I was just being maternal or something. Like, I was like, I guess this yeah. dog could just kill me. I don't know. Like, right. I'm getting paid $15 to walk this dog. (laughs) Gotta earn those bucks. (laughs) Well, yeah, I think like, I just think that's a really good point of like stuff that we do on normal, like not even thinking about it. Other people are like, holy shit. Like I had a dog, uh, a super aggressive chihuahua that wanted to eat me. And so like. At least half of our session, I just held his leash out and he just kept coming at me and I just held his leash out. And th- and I just kept talking to the owner about like what was going on and he just kept trying to eat me and I was just holding him so he couldn't reach me. And it, like, I didn't really think twice about it because obviously I'm not going to let him get me and I'm not going to wait for him to stop because we would never end the session. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like just carrying on a conversation, holding him out. And they still, this was months and months ago, and they still bring it up. They're like, that was just so amazing. Like, you just didn't care that he was trying to bite you. And you. it was like it wasn't happening. And I'm like, well, what's the alternative? Like, <laughs> we, either, we either get nothing done or he bites me. Like, I think it's pretty obvious that, yeah, I'm just going to hold him so he can't reach me. And, I mean, I'm waiting for him to calm down. But, like, I'm going to talk to you in that process because otherwise we'll be here for the rest of our damn lives. Yeah. But, like, I I don't think twice about that. And that's obviously a little bit more brazen because he was trying to eat me. But, I mean, when you're six pounds, it's really not <laughs> really not that intimidating. <laughs> yeah. With a chihuahua, it's like, 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and that's what I tried to explain to them. I'm like, you have to understand that, like, I work with shepherds and pit bulls that want to eat me every day. So (laughs) your chihuahua mix is is not my cause for concern. (laughs) I also think it's crazy, like, not that it's easy, but, like, to me in my head, I think that it's, like, impossible to stop an off-leash charging dog, right? But, like, you've done it. I've done it. But, like, in my head, it's still impossible. Yeah. Well, it definitely seems impossible. Yeah. And I mean, I don't impossible want to do it moment. ever. <laughs> my mom was telling me this story. Did I already say this in an episode? Maybe I didn't. But my mom was telling me the story recently about our neighbors who used to live by us when I was really little. How they had two Dobermans, like, chained in the yard. Did I tell you about that? You talked about the Dobermans. I don't know if this is like a specific story or not. But But there was like one day where, so these Dobermans lived on a chain and they were like really scary and aggressive and the owners just had these dogs to like look like they were tough or whatever. Um, Like the owners couldn't even feed their dogs. Like they had a stick and a hook to like push the food back and forth. (laughs) Um, Like absolutely fucking crazy and one day one of the dogs got off its chain and um came at my mom and my mom said that she just like kind of froze and just like prepared to die and it stopped like 10 feet away from her and just like stood there barking at her and so like the guy who owned him came out and like got him and he was like if you had run my dog would have killed you (laughs) like just like totally are are we bragging about this right (laughs) what yeah that is crazy stories. So let's dive into taking your dog to the vet. All right. We're going to take a break. <laughs> I, th- I think they know that. Margarita check. I feel like we made the same margarita. But how did you do yours? Well, I know we bought the same syrup. Also, I think this is the very first time you've ever done margarita check. I know. I switched it. (laughs) I don't know. I was big on switching everything when I I did this outline. I, so we, we both bought the same prickly pear syrup. I know that. But I think I made mine a little different from yours. So I made a whole pitcher this time. Took a little leaf out of Lara's book. Um. (laughs) (laughs) We really switched places today. Yeah. Oh, and you put three ounces of tequila in yours, too. And two ounces of triple sec? Who the fuck are you? It was the whole thing. You're me. Okay. So I did (laughs) six juiced limes, one juiced lemon, ten and a half ounces of tequila, two and a quarter ounces triple sec, two and a quarter ounces of the prickly pear syrup, and then I blended that with two cups of ice, so um, it didn't end up being like blended because it wasn't very much ice but it just like kind of made it cold and a little bit um this i will say this would be the perfect blended margarita though i think oh yeah definitely but it it's it just kind of made it cold but it's still liquid and so i poured that over ice and i have a salted rim and it is yummy i'm happy with it i like it i will say so i did very similarly, three ounces of tequila, two ounces triple sec, two limes, one ounce uh, prickly pear syrup, and then just a lime garnish. Uh, and that's what the recipe that I found on Pinterest said to do. And I was very concerned. <laughs> I was like, that is a lot of tequila. <laughs> I don't know about this. But the prickly pear syrup is so sweet 
that it like it evens out perfectly. Yeah. So I will say if you're looking to get drunk quicker, this is a great way to do it because <laughs> it still tastes delicious and you're getting more tequila. Uh, that's what it's kind of it's odd. Like I keep it. It's like almost strong, but then the sweetness just like covers it up. But it's also not too sweet. Not that I'm a good judge of that, but <laughs> <laughs> it's a damn delight. And I really, which luckily I had to buy a whole fucking bottle of prickly pear syrup so I can do this again. Uh, <laughs> I really want to try this blended because I think it would be fucking amazing. Yeah, I um, I tried this out the other day. Just like I made just like individual margaritas with it the other day just to try the syrup. And I made Scott's first, and he took a sip of it, and he was like, I love it. You're going to hate it. (laughs) (laughs) And so I tried his, and it was way too sweet. But then I just put, like, half of that amount in mine, and it's great. I think it's, like, a really yummy syrup. It's really nice. Uh, And also, it is so beautiful. It's very pretty. (laughs) It's so pretty. I'm so upset that this was not my Valentine's Day margarita because it's fucking perfect. (laughs) It's just the prettiest, like, dark pink. It's so great. I love it. Mm-hmm. So today's episode is about dogs who are scared of the vet. And if I could pick one thing for you to take away from this episode, if your dog gets scared at the vet, it's that this is extremely common and extremely reasonable and you're not alone and there's nothing wrong with your dog. It's not weird for dogs to be scared of a strange environment with metal tables surrounded by sick, injured, or anxious animals, and having a strange person stick them with needles and put things in their ass. Like, it's not weird to be afraid of that. (laughs) And it's also not bad. So, like, Mooney's terrified of the vet, and I know firsthand how much shame can come along with that because I wasn't always knowledgeable about this, and I've been through the shaming from the vet staff and all that stuff. So, believe me, I get it, and I get how embarrassing it is, and I get that they might try to make you feel bad. So, the first part of this topic that we want to touch on is to be an advocate for your dog because your vet is an expert in some important things, but dog behavior is not one of them. And after this episode is over, I would bet that you will officially know more about dog behavior than your vet does. So let's get into that. Yeah, I didn't realize that until we did this outline. I was like, just, I think I didn't fall into that trap just because of who I am as a person. (laughs) So Peter is my first dog and I don't I didn't know anything when I got him and even I think he was three months old when the first vet labeled him aggressive because they didn't listen to me and they took him in the back and it was a disaster uh and just because of who I am as a person I was like fuck you I'm out of here and switched vets (laughs) so like I it just never occurred to me that people would like not have that response (laughs) I don't know (laughs) Yeah, well, and I kind of wonder, I mean, probably who you are as a person, but also like with Peter, it's kind of like, that's a weird situation. Like you can point to like, oh, he's, you know, he's a Taiwan dog and this was his life before. And so like he's different and like unique and everything. But like, I don't know if you just have a regular old dog, you can't like point to anything that that went wrong. Like it's kind of embarrassing if they flip out at the vet or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I was just surprised by that when you were like, oh, until I moved to Michigan, I didn't realize. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like Lily said, vets are medical doctors. They do not go to school for behavior. They do not go to school for nutrition. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, we kind of, I mean, don't get me wrong. Some vets are great. 
Uh, but we need to stop treating vets like they are the end-all be-all of animals because they are a medical doctor. And and that's that's it. That's what they are. <laughs> yes, exactly. So ask your vet for medical advice and trust those recommendations. But don't ask them for behavior or training advice because they give really bad behavior and training advice a lot of the time. They're not dog trainers. So like just like you would trust your dentist to care for your teeth. But like if you thought you had a mental illness, you wouldn't talk to your dentist about it. Like it's sort of similar. <laughs> like vets are really good at the thing that they do. I mean, some I mean, everybody, <laughs> every profession has people who suck. OK, but like <laughs> vets theoretically are really good at that thing that they do. But they're not qualified to talk about everything related to animals. And they just can't be expected to know everything. Yeah, and I think, um, so there is something called a veterinary behaviorist, which is different, and they are qualified to speak to behavior, but since we don't even have one that exists in Nevada, they're rare. (laughs) (laughs) There is, uh, if you Google vet behaviorist, there are directories, uh, and obviously if you live in a bigger city, you might have access to one. Uh, but they are kind of hard to find. And those are people that not only went to vet school, but also are certified trainers. Um, so that's different. And that is not what we're talking about. <laughs> that's probably a really interesting niche because I bet that there are a lot of situations that we don't realize that are like the behavior is influenced by something medical, you know? So like that person would have kind of that niche no about um, it. So... I'll just be upfront about my bias and that I hate vets generally. <laughs> um, every vet behaviorist that I have seen, and again, we don't have one here. I have not worked with one directly, but everyone I have heard of secondhand just puts dogs on fucking Prozac. So I'm not really, not really into that. But got it. I I mean, they have more credentials than me. So what the fuck do I know? I'm not saying they're all bad, but. If that's their answer to everything. Like, they generally put them on Prozac while they go through training. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, so vet behaviorist is a thing. It's kind of rare. It's kind of hard to find. And I'm sure it's probably expensive. Uh, but they do exist. And that is not what we're talking about today. Today, we're just talking about your average Joe Schmo vet. Um, it's super important To just acknowledge that you know your dog better than anyone. And every single dog is an individual. Uh, So yes, your vet probably does know more about dogs than you. That doesn't necessarily change anything. (laughs) (laughs) If your vet doesn't listen to you, you need a new vet. Plain and simple. Uh, Most dogs do do better going into the back and not having their parents present. I've seen it happen a thousand times. As you know, I have fostered a billion aggressive dogs. Nine times out of ten, if they go straight in the back, they don't have a single issue. I get that. I'm fine with it. It's a good a good theory. It's a good practice. My personal dog, Peter, is not that dog. <laughs> not even a little bit. Um, so like I said earlier, we learned pretty quickly that even as a small puppy, nothing good happens when I'm not around. <laughs> Uh, if I do his holds, you can do a blood draw from his carotid, zero issues. Like... It's amazing. I couldn't believe it. (laughs) Uh, But if I'm not around or if someone else is trying to do his handling, you're not getting anything. Nothing good is going to (laughs) happen. Like, he might get aggressive. He is probably going to be so terrified that he pees and poops all over himself. 
which is how we started this extravaganza uh, <laughs> because I got him at eight weeks. So when I took him in for his 12-week vaccines, they wouldn't do his vaccines in the room, which now I know is like crazy. Uh, but for, well, that was just protocol. They for like the took them they... to the back to do yeah. vaccines. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Weird. I didn't know anything at the time. Yeah, I don't know. And I asked them to do it in the room and they said no. Um, and so they took him in the back. <laughs> oh, God. I, I still fall bad to this day. I just hear screaming. Like, <laughs> just little tiny baby Peter screams. So, of course, he flipped out the second he got back there and then he got loose because he flipped out and the fucking vet tech dropped his leash or dropped him. I don't know. And then they're chasing him. So he pees and poops all over himself. So then they try to give him a bath. And Oh, my God. Are we having a bit of a time? That's quite a noise. Are you done inverted sneezing? Can I go back to work now? She snorted at me. Uh, um, so then, like, I hear the screaming and I'm like, oh, I wonder if that's Peter. <laughs> and then he comes back like 10 minutes later soaking wet. And they're like, yeah, he he peed and pooped on himself. So we had to wash him off. And he's like out of his mind at this point. <laughs> he's just terrified. And then, and mind you, again, he's three months old. And so then the next time I went back, or maybe when I was leaving or something, his chart had a big red aggressive tag on it. And oh my God, just so mad. Just so mad. Oh my God. <laughs> but the point is that Peter specifically, this is pretty uncommon, so I'm not saying this is your dog, but Peter is a different dog. And if I am not around, it's going to be a problem. I am literally the only thing in this world that he trusts. End of story. He might like other people, not very many, but he doesn't trust them. <laughs> he doesn't trust anything or anyone that is not me, which I enjoy. But, <laughs> but like for that exact reason, like I switched vets to get his final set and then he never, I mean, he's just turned 10 years old and he has never had a primary vet in his life because nobody will fucking listen to me. I have taken him to probably close to a dozen vets over the years. Thank God he's never been sick or injured. <laughs> right. But they don't listen. I mean, I'll tell them. I'm like, hey, we just need to do everything in the room. I need to do the restraints, like be as hands off as possible. No. Oh, no, we'll just take them in the back. We'll go slow. It'll be fine. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> I am telling you what needs to happen here. Uh, and I get it. Nobody wants me to do the holds. Not only are they like stuck in the idea that he'll be fine if they go slow or if they go in the back. But I guess it's some sort of liability for them, which I don't really understand since he's my dog, but whatever. Um, and like I said, most dogs, yeah, that stuff is going to work. But if I am telling you that I know it is not going to work, <laughs> at some point you have to realize that you don't fucking know my dog. Right. <laughs> um. So I just I have to be super, super adamant with any vets uh, with how to work with them. And I have to be completely willing to leave if they aren't accepting of that right like i've walked out of plenty of vets <laughs> and and that's just i mean that's how i have to do it because it's not worth it to me to traumatize my fucking dog and if you know peter you know i'm not being dramatic <laughs> right 
Um, but also on the flip side, I have two dogs. You are not the dog to have out during recording, huh? <laughs> Is that Piper? Um, yes. She's just <laughs> rolling and grunting. Um, I also have two dogs that have to go straight to the back. They can't do an exam room and preferably I cannot be around. <laughs> they will get super defensive and protective if I'm around. But if they go in the back, they don't have any issue. And I, same thing. I'm super clear with vets about that. And they're a lot more accepting of that because that's a lot more like, quote unquote, normal. Uh, but even still, sometimes I have to fight with them and be like, listen, I'm not going to go into an exam room. Even if you try to grab him from the exam room to take him to the back, it's going to be harder than grabbing him from the lobby. Like you just need to, you just need to do what I'm asking you to do. <laughs> yeah, we, well, we don't run into that a whole lot because my dogs aren't as extreme as Peter. Like Booney obviously hates the vet, but like he's going to be fine. You know, like I'm not really worried about traumatizing Mooney or anything, but there was one time where we had to take Mooney for an emergency trip to the vet because he got stung by a bee on his muzzle. And so his like whole face was swelling up and it was dangerous. So <laughs> the vet needed to give him some sh- sort of shot. I'm guessing, I don't know, like Benadryl or something. Yeah, it's like, a, uh, it's like Benadryl, but stronger. Um, but I specifically told them, like, make sure to give him the shot in his front leg because he will flip out if you do it in his back leg. But, like, Mooney's a super happy, friendly dog. And so I think that they just don't believe me that he's going to bite them. <laughs> like, but he came out of the back room with two bandages, one on his back leg and one on his front leg. And I was like, so did you try the back leg? Even though I said not to and then it didn't work. So you did the front leg. Like, cool. Like, you, you could have just listened to me. Like... Anyway, (laughs) so what does it mean to advocate for your dog at the vet? So to me, it means to put your dog's well-being ahead of social pressure, which can be hard. But like, you know, will the vet get annoyed if you ask for special things? Like maybe, but don't care. So that's your assignment is just don't care. Advocate for your dog. (laughs) insist on meeting your assignment (laughs) yes always i (laughs) i tell my friends like i would i would give them all a master class for free on just like the art of not giving a fuck just like Mm -hmm. (laughs) join me for that class so (laughs) so advocate for your dog insist on meeting your dog's needs so two of my dogs are fine at the vet mooney is not fine at the vet he needs the vet tech to like sit there and make friends with him before they touch him and stuff like that um needs to be distracted with food during shots I mean, we usually just muzzle him anyways, but uh, he needs me to like be with him and holding him if there's going to be a thermometer in his ass. That's like his big one is around the butt. He doesn't like the vets touching his butt or his back legs. He doesn't like butt stuff. Doesn't like butt stuff. And honestly, I wouldn't know how to insist on those things if we hadn't moved out here because like I said, like I got Mooney and obviously started taking him to the vet immediately when I got him and I wasn't a dog trainer yet didn't know a whole bunch of stuff and so all I knew was the vets being mean to me about how he acted like I just kind of figured that that's what a vet experience was but when I moved out here the first time we went to our vet I like prepared them for what Mooney was like and they just accommodated us like they sat with him and gave him treats and kind of got to know him and everything and that's when I it just kind of like clicked that like they can and should do that and before that I didn't really know what that looked like but that's why I wanted to talk about it in this podcast and be really clear about it because there might be other people who were like me who just didn't have a frame of reference and you probably don't know that you can advocate for your dog and that your vet should accommodate you and 
I don't know. That can look like all sorts of things. So like maybe you have a reactive dog who needs to go in the back and not see the other dogs or a dog who needs to be muzzled like mine or a dog who needs you there or a dog who needs you to not be there. Or But like whatever it is, just don't be afraid to insist on that. So vets are obviously professionals. We do tend to defer to them. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't. A lot of the times we should. If my vet tells me I need an x-ray, I'm not going to be like, oh, it's too expensive. Fuck you. Like, no, my dog probably needs an x-ray. Yeah. (laughs) They have the knowledge. We don't. We need them. Don't get me wrong. There are great vets. But there are also bad vets. (laughs) And also, too, just the nature. Like, when I'm at work, I'm not always open-minded with every customer right like yeah (laughs) sometimes i'm just like no this is what we need to do right uh just because that's i mean it's my third client of the day and whatever like i'm just stuck in a like this that the other uh so i get it like you're busy you're trying to get to the next room blah 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 uh but at the end of the day we're paying them not that they're our employee or anything but like we are paying them for a service and if they cannot give us the service that we need we need to go. <laughs> we need to go somewhere else, right? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, like, obviously, I deal with a lot of reactive and aggressive dogs. So when we go to the vet, a lot of the times, uh, we either need to go directly into a room or they just need to go into the back. And so at my vet, that's not usually a problem because they know me. Um. But, like, the vets, the, the vets, <laughs> the dogs that I board, uh, I have to take them to their vet who doesn't know me at all and i'll be like hey she's severely reactive you need to meet me at the back door and they will literally meet me at the back door and walk her through the lobby and i'm like (laughs) (laughs) or they'll try and then turn around two seconds later and be like oh i see what you mean now and i'm like "Uh (laughs) uh-huh you're lucky she didn't need a chihuahua and you have a lawsuit on your hands but thanks so yeah i mean you just you need to respect them obviously they do have knowledge that that we don't have and and we need that but we're not talking about denying x-rays or whatever right we're talking about handling right (laughs) like and you you're obviously not a a dog trainer either so don't get me wrong but you know whether or not your dog's going to tolerate a thermometer or whatever it is right yeah (laughs) so i mean it's just it's super important that you know your dog's needs and things like that. And and part of it, too, I, I think something we didn't put in here that is, is also super important um, because I have worked in vets' offices <laughs> and it goes the other way, too, right? Where they're like, oh, my doggy needs this and my doggy needs that. And I'm like, no, you need to train your fucking dog, lady. Like, <laughs> um, So we don't – I don't mean that, like – oh, I'm just overbearing, so my dog needs to have all of its shit done in the room. It's like, no, it's probably a better reason than it doesn't. (laughs) Right. (laughs) If you're just being a helicopter and you don't, your dog probably gets away with murder and all that, like, that's not what we're talking about either, right? (laughs) Yeah, like, there's a difference between advocating for your dog and then just, like, feeling entitled and not wanting to work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so don't enable your dog. It's a different thing. So, I mean, your dog gives you the puppy dog eyes when it goes to the back room. That doesn't mean he has to get treated in the room. <laughs> that's not right. That's not what I mean. <laughs> if your dog tries to bite and pisses and shits itself, then we'll have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but if your dog just doesn't want to go away from you, then that's that's not really a, your vet's problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, keep that in mind. Just advocate for your dog, but also 
don't be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, be reasonable. Be reasonable. So avocado avocados. Avocados for your dogs. <laughs> That was so funny to me, but I liked it. Okay. So advocating for your dog at the vet is essential. We'll take a break here. When we get back, we will go over some basic handling. Margarita check. How is your prickly pear margarita doing? It's delicious, and I should have made two. Piper, leave me alone. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's almost gone and I'm sad. My goodness, that's a lot of alcohol for you. Mm-hmm. This should be an interesting couple of segments. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see. We, <laughs> It's fucking delicious, though. I would say this is probably... I don't think anything will ever be as good as that fucking watermelon, but <laughs> I think this is a close second. I'm glad you like it. This is my favorite. If if this flavor is on a menu, this is what I will get. I love this flavor. I've never even heard of it before. That's so interesting because you live in the desert and I live in Michigan. <laughs> I also don't leave my house, though, so I mean, mm. <laughs> that's There's part that. of it. <laughs> I was talking to someone today, and I was like, yeah, I've been in a restaurant once since March, uh, obviously because of the pandemic, but also, like, that wouldn't be normal for me otherwise either. (laughs) Abnormal for me otherwise. I am still upset that yours is kind of blended. I mean, I know it's not blended, blended, but that just sounds fucking amazing. It does. Yeah. So, I mean, it literally (laughs) is just, just liquid, like... Yeah. I want it to be blended now, though, that you brought it up. So why did you make a pitcher? Just for Scott, too? Or just because you're getting shit-faced? Yeah, Scott wanted some, too. And so I figured, like, usually I get through one, and then I, like, wish that I had a second one, like where you are right now. And that's exactly where I am, and it's very infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> and so since Scott wanted one anyway, so I was like, well, I might as well just make a whole pitcher. Um, cause the reason I don't usually make a pitcher is because like I wouldn't drink all of it, but if Scott's yeah. going to have some, then it might, it I might waste all get my drink. pitcher every fucking time. <laughs> I also think I need to get like a big bottle of not shitty tequila, but cheaper tequila. Cause I usually try to get like not fancy tequila, but I usually try to get like really good rated tequila that's at a moderate price range, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and I need to get a, but like I waste, that last bottle was like a $40, $50 bottle and it's already fucking gone because the last three recordings I've made pitchers. <laughs> so, and I wasted, like I I only drink one or two out of the pitcher. So it's like, it's just going down the fucking drain. I need to get a big thing of more affordable tequila for those recipes and then stick with my fancy one because now I'm just sad. I've wasted all the good tequila. <laughs> in the last segment we talked about how it's okay for your dog to feel some sort of way about the vet and that it's okay for you to advocate for that so in this segment we are going to talk about basic handling safety and desensitization so basically like how to help your dog feel more comfortable at the vet after you've advocated Uh, i'm excited for this segment because i think i'm going to learn some fun new stuff so lara why don't you start 
Um, yeah. So, I mean, the biggest thing that I see is, like, most of the time, the the problem is not the vet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> More often than not. So, I, th- I think it's important to figure out what your dog's issue is, right? So, like I said, more often than not, it's not the vet. It's not vet specific, but your dog is either reactive in general. So, obviously, that's worse when it's an enclosed room like the vet. Right. Um, It's either not dog friendly or it just doesn't do well with strange people, period. Right? Obviously, Mooney is is a good example of, like, none of those things. He's a very friendly social dog. So. Yeah. <laughs> and he still has trouble with the vet. So, that's different. But. I would, nine out of ten of my clients, if they have a problem with the vet, it's not because of the vet. It's because their dog wouldn't do good in that any sort of situation like that at all. Because right. they don't like dogs or they don't like strangers or whatever. So it's not a vet problem. It's just you've chosen not to work on that issue. And so that's probably the only place your dog goes. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's like, oh, my dog hates the vet. And I'm like, well, yeah, but you also don't take your dog for walks because it's reactive. So you've chosen to ignore the problem, and that's one place you can't ignore it, right? Yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, that's super important because it's like, you can't say your dog's not good at the vet. Like, that's that's not the problem. Right. <laughs> that's You need to get to the root issue, and you need to work on that outside of the vet because it's not a vet problem. So that's something super important to recognize uh, because I feel like a lot of the times what I run into is like, a lot of people, just their normal life is their dogs don't get out. Like, they don't have people over. They don't walk their dogs. So, it's like their dog naturally is pretty um, reclusive. Like, they're not used to seeing other dogs. They're not used to being handled by new people or seeing new people. So, yeah, of course they don't do well at the vet, but it's not the vet that's the problem, right? Um, so, you just need to recognize that. Um but like, like I said, with Mooney, Mooney's kind of that rare exception where like he's otherwise very friendly and not a not doesn't have issue with other dogs or or strangers, um, but is just averse to the handling or the environment that is the vet, and, and that's kind of more I think what we're talking about here. We're not talking about reactive dogs or aggressive dogs or or stranger danger dogs or anything. It's people. It's dogs that are specifically take issue with the vet, right? Yeah. Um, so Charlie's kind of a good example of that. Um, Charlie is not very well socialized because I don't know. I'm a bad mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, he obviously can't be around dogs and he's always been good with people, but he's not particularly well socialized because he doesn't go out very much because he's a liability. And so I've noticed, especially as he's gotten older, he will get weird with people sometimes, not like in a, in a bad way, but just like, a. If they're hesitant, he's like, why are you being weird? I'll be weird. Yeah. You know? Um, And it's never been an issue, uh, but the last time he had to go to the vet, and he's muzzled anytime we leave the house, so it's it's pretty common for people to be like, oh, and like get weird with him because he's a muzzled pit bull. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I'm always like, oh, he's super friendly. Don't worry about it. It's just, he just doesn't like other dogs, and I don't want to rely on anybody else for that not to be a problem. It's really funny because the first time I took him to this vet, the vet came in and was like, hey, buddy, what's up? And he was like, oh, my God, hi. <laughs> and then the second time I took him to that vet, we had a sh- Ugh, I hate her. We had-, <laughs> we had a shitty vet tech that was just she's just a dick. Uh, and she instantly walked in and was like, 
not going anywhere near him and just being weird. And so he was like, what the fuck? What, what is this? Like, why are you yeah. being weird? Do I need to get defensive? Uh, and so that, I mean, that vet trip was a fucking disaster. He growled at them because he was like, you guys are being really sketch. Like, you're freaking me out. Right. Had they walked in the room and been like, hey, buddy, he would have been like, fuck, yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, but they got weird. So he's like, I guess we're being weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, that's a really good point, too, that we didn't write down or cover. But like that, that definitely happened to me last time I took Mooney to the vet. And I definitely felt like it was my fault because um, it was like a whole curbside thing and so i talked to them on the phone and was like you know he's just he has a really hard time at the vet and so i just kind of wanted to give you guys a heads up but then because i said that they got really weird yeah like and then but they were like well why don't you just come in then like they like broke protocol and let me come in but then everyone was acting weird and mooney really knew it like he caught on like something's not okay dogs aren't stupid right and that's what i try to tell people i'm like if you're cool they will be cool but if you get fucking weird, like, they're wh- why wouldn't they get weird? You're being a weirdo. Like, <laughs> you're not engaging them at all. Nothing. Yeah. It's it's really frustrating. But yeah, if your dog is just averse to the handling or the environment, then we can uh, 100% work on that. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you need to hire a trainer and solve the root issue, right? Like... We're not going to solve your dog's dog reactivity just at the vet. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just, like, just because you don't want to deal with it elsewhere. Yeah. That's that's not a realistic expectation. <laughs> and there, and like, now that I'm thinking at it, about it, there can definitely be elements of both. Because Mooney does, like, he really doesn't like the environment of the vet. And he just really hates the thermometer. Like, I feel like the thermometer is what makes him so upset about the vet like he thinks that that's yeah, gonna happen he knows to him that that's why it happens but like but there are other things too like the vet or the groomer like he won't he doesn't like me cutting his nails at home we've worked really hard on it and so he'll let me do it at home now but like just that's just a for instance like if the vet couldn't clip his nails then of course that's the the issue is he won't even let me clip his nails. Like, why would he let a stranger yeah. do it? So, like, there's, like, a little bit of both. We're like, yeah, he hates the vet. But also, like, I need to be aware of those specific issues that I can and should work on, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's really interesting to me that the thermometer is such a big issue for him. I mean, it, it, it makes sense as an issue because, obviously, I don't want people shoving things up my ass either. <laughs> uh, but... At least not in that context. Uh, (laughs) I'm leaving that in. (laughs) Um, But there, like nobody ever takes temps on my dogs unless they're sick. Because it's just not worth like, because I tell, I'm like, hey, that's going to be a battle you don't want to fuck with. Like Mm -hmm. pick and choose your battles. That ain't one of them. Right. Or they have the ear thermometer too. Yeah. Like, they don't have to use the the butt. <laughs> so, um, I don't really ever have that argument. I'm sure I would if I had a vet that insisted on doing it. But if I have a behavior dog, they don't even try, usually. They're like, yeah, we ain't going to fuck with that. And I'm like, yeah, good call. It's <laughs> healthy. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Obviously, if they're sick, then yeah, they need to get a, a temperature. But if it's just for vaccines or whatever, they're not they're not worried about it. Which I guess is debatably problematic, but I've never had an issue. So I think, like I said, it's pick your battles. Right. (laughs) 
Um, so yeah, I think the biggest problem, even when I worked at the vet, is just getting everybody to slow down. Yeah. <laughs> so I worked at um, a fast-paced office that, you know, it was, we were sold out every single day. It was, you know, we had a lot of dogs. We had a little amount of time. It was, you know, really hustle and bustle. And, I mean, part of it was just that the techs aren't trained, but you're going to run into that pretty much everywhere because, again, vets are not behaviorists. <laughs> Um, they would have these dogs that, you know, they're terrified. They don't, they've never been to the vet or whatever. And now they're getting thrown in to, to spay and neuter surgery. (laughs) And, you know, they grab them from the exam room and they throw them in the back. And it's like, yeah, he, at some point he's going to get aggressive because he's already told you that he's scared out of his fucking mind and nobody's listening. (laughs) Right. Um, so, I mean, and like I said before, I get it. They're busy. They're just doing their job, trying to move on, blah, blah, blah. They have a schedule to keep. I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, but I will too, like for Peter, I'll ask them to book extra time or like charge me two exam fees so that we have more time or whatever they need to do. I've never actually been overcharged. They're always just like, oh no, it's fine. We'll block out extra time. But just, I I mean, that's what what we mean when we say advocate for your dog. Like, I'm trying to respect your time and set you up for success so I don't have to get real pissed when you won't slow the fuck down with my dog, right? Yeah. So when I even call to make the appointment, I'll just say, hey, he's really fearful. He needs extra time. Can you book us two slots or whatever it is? However your vet works. And again, I will say, if your vet is not willing to work with you, you need to get a new vet. Um, and a lot of the times, too, I think it's not that it's their fault, but I think it's, too, it's the front desk staff or the vet techs. You know, they aren't in positions of power. They can't make those calls. They're trained to say no. But a lot of the times, if you talk directly to the doctor, they're like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll let him know that that's okay for you or whatever it is. Yeah. Um. So sometimes it's, you're just asking the wrong person, right? Because they can't authorize that. And they're certainly not going to go ask their boss <laughs> on your account. <laughs> which which reminds me that, like, you will probably need to repeat yourself, too. Because, like, if you tell the 100%. front desk person, like, oh, yep. my dog has all these issues, they'll be like, okay, great, I'll make a note. But, like, nobody's going to yeah, read nobody's that. Nobody's reading that So, note. yeah. <laughs> yeah, you might have to repeat yourself. But that's, t- that's a really good idea. I'm totally going to ask for two slots next oh, time yeah. we go in. But yeah, and also, you know, get creative. I've had vets come and treat my dogs in the lobby. Um, one of our, actually, I don't think he was with our rescue. Um, but a friend was fostering a Mastiff who was super stranger danger, super sketch. And, you know, this is a 150-pound Mastiff. It's going to be a problem if he gets pissed off. <laughs> uh, and the vet came out into the lobby and sat with him and hung out and gave him treats and let him warm up and then just gave him a vaccine right there on the couch in the lobby because he was chill and he was relaxed. But if you had walked that dog into a tiny exam room, he would have instantly been like, I don't like this. <laughs> this right. Is confined quarters. This is a lot of pressure. But because we were in an open lobby and we got lucky that there weren't a bunch of other clients there, um, there was no issue. He got his vaccines. He thought the vet was great that day. <laughs> He's like, oh, this place ain't so bad. All right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, and given the lobby is generally not a good place because there's usually other dogs and stuff like that. But, you know, in this instance, it worked out. (laughs) Um, and then also kind of like Lily said, with Mooney needing them to make friends first, like, we don't need to dive straight into restraints, you know, 
we can take a second. We can give snacks. We can loosen them up. We don't need to dive right into to holding them and shoving a thermometer up their ass. <laughs> I don't know why that's become the theme of this episode. But, um, the butt stuff episode. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then also, too, like, there are a lot of ways to do vaccines and stuff without restraints. I think part of the time we kind of create the issue because, and I, I'm guilty of it, too, uh, we over-restrain them because we know that they might freak out. But over-restraining them creates the reaction. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just like right? tightening so, on the leash when you're about to walk past a dog. Yep, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I took Perrier to the vet and I knew I was scared out of my mind because I knew that's not going to be good. <laughs> There's just no world in which that goes well. And so I was like bear hugging him, <laughs> which I, is dumb. I don't I don't know why I was doing it. Um, but I was like bear hugging him. And, and I mean, nothing happened. Obviously, he was muzzled and all of that. But literally, the vet is listening to his heart, and the whole time you just hear, oh my gosh. Yeah, it was terrifying. And so I'm just bear, and like part of that was probably because I'm fucking bear hugging him. (laughs) Yeah. But I also knew that there was very little chance that he wasn't going to flip his shit. And so I just had to make that vet safe in that moment because I didn't have the patience or the time to, to try other things, right? In a perfect world, we would have tried other things. Uh, but this vet in particular was, you know, doing me a favor, just doing a quick vaccine. We weren't trying to fuck with stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, get creative, try new things. Uh, one of the local trainers in town, I can't remember what he was doing. He posted a video of taking a shepherd to the vet uh, and he was just running through obedience, giving him up and off commands, doing sick commands just to take his mind off of, oh, my God, we're at the vet. Oh, my God, what's going to happen? Oh, he's going to come in the room and then this and then da, 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 da. And so he's just keeping him busy, making him get on and off a chair, making him do sits. Um, and one thing I meant to bring up earlier, that's what it was, fear free. I figured it out. <laughs> um, so I've never actually seen this. We don't have one here. Um, but one of my, uh, one of the people I follow on Instagram, her vet is a certified fear-free clinic um and so um you actually have to go through a certification process to be that and her her dog doesn't like the vet and they actually like they have licket mats and spoons full of peanut butter and like they spend a ton of time with him they'll sedate him in the room if he's getting surgery so that he can go to sleep with his mom and then they take him to the back for surgery like wow crazy shit it's so fucking cool that's awesome i look yeah, I look all the time, and there's still not one here. But <laughs> I'm gonna Google it right now. There's a directory. Uh, I, I, I don't know what it's called, but, um, but yeah. So there, you can be as a vet, you can be certified fear free, and there are some of those here. But if the office isn't fear free, I feel like it's kind of stupid. Yeah, it's fearfreepets.com. I'm looking uh, up. They have trainers right listing, now. I guess, as well, but um yeah there's nothing in nevada there's there's vets but there's not an office and i feel like there's a big distinction from that i mean it'd be cool to have a vet one too but like i would prefer to have a whole clinic is there not one there is that what the pout's for yeah they're pretty there's not a lot i don't think i think it's kind of a still a pretty um individual thing the closest Um, one to me is in hudsonville which i think is like an hour away but i'm gonna look 
might be worth it. <laughs> might be. Um, I mean, if nothing else, to go like short term and get him over it, right? Yeah. And, like learn what works and stuff. I don't know. Um, but yeah, she lives in New Jersey, I think. Um, and yeah, they they literally they just they have spoonfuls of peanut butter to like lure him into positions and look at mats to distract him and stuff like that. And it's fucking awesome. It's forty three minutes away. I could totally do that. Boom. I already drive 30 minutes um, to the vet, so. Yeah, right? What's what's 15 minutes more? Right. Um, But yeah, so I thought that was a really cool idea. And like I said, I've never been to one, so maybe they're not that great. But she makes them seem pretty damn great. So yeah, you can look for one of those in your town. Like I said, they're not super common, so I can't promise you that there will be one. But it it's pretty cool. It seems pretty cool. And also, too, like, you don't need to rely on your vet to be fear-free certified. Like, look at those protocols and bring your own damn lick at Matt and spoonful of peanut butter. <laughs> like, yeah. just help them and then encourage them to do it, right? Like, <laughs> um, So, yeah, that that's just, I mean, again, you're paying them for a service. To some extent, you you have some control, right? Um, So, I'm pretty conservative with pretty much all dog training. Uh, <laughs> um, but if your dog has any concerns about the vet at all, I think they should be muzzled. End of story. Uh, yeah. And that's just what I think. <laughs> uh, and so I don't like, mean. So you're saying just throw a muzzle on a dog who isn't muzzle yeah. trained? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what everyone will do no matter what I say next. <laughs> so it's fine. But yes, so your dog should be muzzled if there's any cause for concern whatsoever, whether that be to people or other dogs. Uh, Or if you're just not sure, or if they're getting an invasive procedure that might cause pain. Uh, I kind of think that most dogs should be muzzled, (laughs) but whatever. (laughs) But yeah, so like Lily mentioned, this does not mean that you go to the vet and use their muzzle. This does not mean that you buy a muzzle and only put it on them when they go to the vet or throw it on them at the vet. This means you need to muzzle train your dog. We're not going to fight with them. We're not going to put it on when you're already at the vet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you might like in the parking lot or something, but ju- it's not hard to muzzle train. <laughs> okay, It's really not. And if you don't do it, then that's just um, another trigger on top of everything else that they're dealing with. And so that could just make it so much worse if you're just like throwing a muzzle on to a non-muzzle trained dog because then even stuff that doesn't normally piss them off is going to piss them off yes so yeah i prefer baskerville muzzles um or any basket muzzle uh but it's up to you whatever you like i just personally would not do a nylon muzzle since they should be wearing it the duration of their visit and that might be 20 30 minutes uh they need to be able to pant drink eat all of that Uh, and if you're training them like you should to get them to like the the muzzle and the vet then you're going to need to give them treats, and in which case you need a basket muzzle. Yeah. So that's my soapbox about muzzles, given I really like muzzles and I think they should be used all the time for everything. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, if there's any concern whatsoever, don't rely on somebody's handling or actions. Just muzzle muzzle your damn dog. Yeah. Um, if invasive handling is the issue, then you can practice that at home. Obviously, like Lily mentioned earlier, she's finally gotten to the point where she can cut Mooney's nails, but he's not going to let a stranger do that, right? So I get that. That's totally understandable. But you can practice holds at home and restraints at home. You can teach them shake if they have an aversion to paw handling. If they, Like I said, if they let you do it, but they won't let a vet do it, then you can work with the vet during appointments, right? 
Um, so or or you can even just practice, you know, having your friends do it, or just people who aren't you do it. And like, if they're yeah. used to having other people do it, then it's more likely that they'll let them do it. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I've literally not very often because even I'm not that brazen, but I have had vets be like, "Hey, I'm gonna give you a handful of treats, and I need you to ask my dog to do these commands, mm-hmm. right? Just to like build that rapport." Uh, and again. Your vet shouldn't be a dick. Like, they have stuff to do. I'm not trying to take up their whole day. But, I mean, come on. <laughs> I Help help me help you. <laughs> I have a question here. So, mm-hmm. um, I do, like, quote, unquote, I do a hold for Mooney at the vet for his temperature because, like, that's what he hates the most. So, if he needs it done, I will, like, hold him. But it's just, like, a really sort of bastardized like i'm just kind of putting my arms around him like is there a specific hold that you should learn uh yeah so there are specific holds uh i don't know if they have like names or if there's specific instructions yeah so i just googled it and there's five million youtube videos of vet tips safe restraint methods dog basic restraint stuff like that cool i should probably watch them Uh, but just because i worked in vets offices i just kind of copied what the text and stuff did um so like when i do a nail trim i have their head specifically placed kind of near my elbow mm-hmm. so that even if they try to bite me they're not gonna be able to right and i, I don't mean i'm like i i'm not like holding their neck down by my <laughs> my elbow but like i just have my elbow in a specific place that if they try to bite me they're not going to be able to rotate their head in that way right right uh and that's how you sh- generate like obviously this isn't invasive but like uh, that's how they should be held at the vet too. So like when I was bear hugging Perrier, <laughs> same thing. I had my elbow very strategically placed. So if he tried to whip around, I mean, the basic thing with restraints, depending on where they're working. So like the carotid hold is obviously different. Um, but like if you're working on the back end, you just have to hold him so that if he goes to whip around, he's not going to have anywhere to go. Sure. Okay. Uh, be- because even if you're holding his head, if he gets away from you, they can whip pretty damn quick oh yeah so you're not holding his head or neck with your hands you want to block that out with like your elbow or something so that he physically can't turn his neck that way right okay not that you're necessarily applying pressure but your arm is just there as like a blocking device right Right. uh because that's the biggest thing in most in most vet holds is is the whip around because that's what's going to happen nine times out of ten if you're sitting in a dog's face, then I don't know what the fuck you're doing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, please don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like the carotid hold is a little different. Uh, but even then, it's still, you're still kind of using your elbow to hold their chin up and and stuff like that. But Sure. Okay. Um, and I don't know if those are official. I'm actually going to watch these videos. But <laughs> yeah, I'm interested uh, But that's, in that I just kind of was, was taught at the vet's offices that I worked at. So, um, and again, it's, it's you're holding them but you're not applying pressure right like you have like an inch or so of space of like you can move but if you move more than an inch in this direction you're gonna hit my arm (laughs) and and you don't have anywhere else to go right um so it's it's one of those things where it's like you have to be kind of hands off but also prepared for them to whip right yeah and not get bit yourself yeah so um so yeah there there definitely are specific holds for sure um and so you could I've, and i've seen training videos where they apply verbal commands for that and like their dog puts themselves in the hole like you hold your arm out and they come and like position themselves when you say whatever cue you have applied to it which is pretty fucking cool that's really smart I'm, 
Yeah, I'm gonna I have mean, like I... delusions of grandeur about doing that with Mooney and then never do it, but I'll like read all about it. <laughs> uh, well, it'd be cool to like practice with Indy just to have like a party trick, right? Like. <laughs> So I do want to go over, there are things that you can do to desensitize and counter condition your dog to the vet. Um, So desensitization basically means getting your dog used to something and counter conditioning means changing your dog's mind about something. And I will just be honest and clear and say, I don't do these things with Mooney because I just don't have the time. Like I don't want to. Um, So I'm not saying that you have to do this, but I at least want to be clear on the options. So to desensitize your dog to the vet, I would say you could start by taking your dog to the parking lot of the vet's office, walk around, play games, do cues for treats, go home, and then kind of start like over time moving into the building, playing games in the lobby, having them interact with the vet staff like when you don't actually have an appointment. Um, maybe practice some holds and handling if you're doing that and uh, give treats and stuff. And then to counter condition, you could maybe ask the staff or the vet techs to like ask for some cues from your dog for treats, like Laura mentioned, and they might not have the time and that's totally reasonable. So like don't take up their whole day, like Laura said, but you might as well just ask. So if the, if the vet becomes a place where fun things happen and we play games there and get treats there and everyone is nice, then it's kind of less of a big deal. If every once in a while we also get stuck with a needle or have a thermometer shoved in our ass or whatever it is. Also, you can play a drinking game with this episode and drink every time we say something up the ass. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I take my dogs to the vet regularly when they're not the patient. Um, Just so that they have a positive association of like, hey, this place is not always invasive. Sometimes we just come in, we eat snacks or do whatever, and, and that's it. That's all that happens. Um, I also try to always follow it up with something positive, like a trip to the pet store for snacks or the park or something like that. Um, just so there is that kind of positive connotation. So like Peter, I try to take Peter to the vet with me anytime somebody else has to go. Not now, obviously, because a lot of vets are doing curbside. Um, but any before, <laughs> Uh, and because obviously I run the rescue and stuff, I'll have to run in and pay a bill and stuff, which is a really good opportunity uh, because I'll use that just to practice like sitting calmly in the lobby and stuff like that. Um, oh, which reminds me, one of the things that I do for dogs that can hang out in the lobby waiting for their room is they usually have benches in the lobby and I will do a ton of on off uh, and just basic obedience um so like if another dog walks in i'll give them an up command and then give them an off command and have them do like some uh, agility a little bit um and that usually helps a ton um so yeah obedience is a big part of the lobby i forgot about that yeah that's a good point and yet we do so after after we take Mooney to the vet, so especially if your dog, especially if your dog gets stressed out of the vet, but even if they don't, do something after afterwards to kind of like de-stress. So our vet is pretty close to Chowhound, which is a little pet store that Mooney loves, and so Mooney and I always go there after a vet visit, and he gets to pick out a chew to take home with him. So he gets to have like a fun time at Chowhound and then de-stress with a treat. And so I just want to make clear that like. This The point of this visit, like I would say for us especially, it's not optional. Like the point of this visit is not to like 
reward him for a job well done like the point of the visit is to turn his day around because he like had a really stressful day and now it's time to de-stress like i need to give him a way to de-stress from that so um don't think of the activity after the vet as just like oh good job like you get a reward or a treat or whatever it's like yeah. it's necessary it has, it has nothing to do with how they did or didn't do so it's yeah. not like you're not doing it if they were a dick at the vet <laughs> Right. Otherwise, you're going regardless. It (laughs) It doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Also, Chowhound is the cutest fucking name for a pet store I've ever heard in my life. It is. And I love it. It's so cute. It's such a cute little store. I'm obsessed with it. Give it to me. (laughs) So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a lot for basics for going to the vet with a dog that isn't wild about it. Um, If you have specific questions, you can send them to us. Um, but that's at least a starting point. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, we'll take a break. And then when we get back, I'm going to yell really loud about things. Yay. <laughs> Final margarita check. I see that you are drinking probably just melted ice at this point. Yes. All yep, right. I'm desperate. <laughs> Um, sorry, I'm not looking at the outline anymore. Uh, <laughs> I'm drinking ice water because I didn't make more than one because I'm dumb and it was so delicious and now it's gone and I miss it. And like, just for those of you who can't see her by ice water, she means ice that is melting in her margarita cup. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I have a glass of ice water next to it. Does that count? Um, not if you're not drinking it. <laughs> How's your stupid pitcher that's plentiful? Oh, it's so great. I got up to uh, potty the little puppy. (laughs) And you know, like, you know when you go to the bathroom and you, like, sit down on the toilet to pee and then it becomes a poop? Like, you're like, oh, I didn't realize I had to poop. That's what happened to Phoebe. So, like, while she was pooping, I came back in and poured more margarita. And oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and now I'm happy. This is a like a five-year-old <laughs> podcast about pee and poop nonstop. <laughs> pee, poop, butt stuff. Yeah. Anyways. Amazing. All right. So for our final segment, we are coming at you with another rant, which I don't know if we're ever going to have an episode again that does not include a rant now that we have started this. <laughs> uh, courtesy of Laura. So let's hear it, ma'am. What do you got? <sighs> I'm deciding whether to scary whisper or scream really loud. You can do both and I'll pick the best one. (laughs) God damn it, Malinois. (laughs) Just, just God damn it. I just hate, I don't hate them. That's inaccurate. Um, Sorry, I'm trying to Google what they're bred for. They're bred for herding. That's what I thought. So one thing that made me more angry is that when I Google Malinois, do you want to know? Do you know? Do you want to know what the first things that come up are? What? <laughs> is a Malinois a good family dog? <laughs> it's not your typical family dog, but they make great family dogs. Are Malinois aggressive? They can be aloof and outgoing, 
but never fearful, shy, or aggressive. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, uh. Oh, I'm not done. Wait. Hold, hold your <laughs> questions and comments, ma'am. Okay. What are Bel- Belgian Malinois used for? They were originally bred to be herding dogs. But today, they work as police, military, protection, and also just loving family members. And then the next question. Do Belgian Malinois like to cuddle? <laughs> Why are Belgian Malinois so expensive? Do Belgian Malinois bite their owners? Are Belgian Malinois aggressive? Are female Belgians nicer than male Belgians? No. The answer is no. Are Belgian Malinois hard to train? Are they high maintenance? Do the puppy Malinois sleep? (laughs) And this, these questions that are the top rated questions on Google are my rant! God damn it. <laughs> this has come up so many times this week. And so fucking help me. If you are getting a Malinois to be your pet dog, I fucking hate you. I just do. Unless. There she goes. You, Yeah. <laughs> Unless you are a handler of some sort and the dog has a job. Because being your family pet and getting a lot of exercise is not a fucking job. And if you want a Malinois as a family pet, you obviously don't know what the fuck you're doing. God damn it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. To, I mean, to be fair also, too, I don't think most working dogs should be pets. You don't need a fucking Border Collie uh-huh. so that you can go to agility class once a week. Right. You just don't. Um, but at least those make decent family dogs. <laughs> And I'm not saying Mal's are aggressive or anything like that. They don't fucking want to be a family dog. That's not what they want to do. If they have a job outside of that and then come home at night, yeah, sure. Great. <laughs> uh, but no, they do not want to be your 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 children's protector and go for a jog once a week. That's no. Stop it. God damn it. <laughs> just so mad uh, <laughs> and especially like i don't know what it was i don't know if it was the the military movies i don't know what the fuck it was but there was some sort of malinois explosion and now there is a malinois at the county shelter at all times hmm. there's i looked yesterday there was one and they're all a year old and they're all backyard bred and they're all liability <laughs> like what are you doing? I wonder dogs- what it was. Because there was like a big Game of Thrones husky boost. Yeah. Yeah. And there's always, there's like five huskies at a time at the shelter. But there's at least one Malinois in any given moment. Hmm. Um, yeah. Huskies are much more of an explosion though. For sure. Mals are just harder. Like a husky is a pet dog. They're still hard. But they're a pet dog. <laughs> like, hmm. Um... See, I would argue so, yeah. that. Like, yeah. I would argue that if uh that if to you a Malinois is either a pet dog or not, that like a husky should be the same cuz like they're also bred you to do a huskies job. You think huskies have Well, yeah, there's a lot of working dogs, but mouths don't have any other purpose. Huskies and and Dobermans and all those work in border collies like they've been pet dogs for decades. Well, so have Malinois, Malinois though. When have Malinois been pet dogs? 
they're literally bread. If they don't have the drive to work, it's because they're backyard bred. Like they don't like the other dogs are working dogs, but they aren't bred in like they don't have that. Um, I mean, they do to a certain degree, but like a Malinois with drive cannot just hang around your house. <laughs> hmm. That's a weird face. <laughs> my husband brought in my uh, remaining margarita. Mm. Rub it in, dick face. So I'm, um, I'm like, I'm interested in that. Like, is there history behind that? Because like to me, a Malinois is just another working dog, like no different from like a cattle dog or something. I don't think so because they're intentionally bred to like bite. I mean, obviously herders are too, like, um, not herders, healers. <laughs> Healers are too, but like especially nowadays, they've been working police and military and IPO for so long that that's literally what they're bred for these days. So what would make them different from like a German Shepherd in that case? German Shepherds, as far as I know, there's working lines and pet lines. Not uh, They're not called pet lines. I don't know what they're called. Gotcha. Um, hmm. But they're either bred with drive or bred for pet. And it's impossible. Uh, and it's it's really hard to find a well-bred shepherd that's bred for a pet or sh- like so so <sighs> i'm so angry i can't talk uh <laughs> and i could be wrong on this i could be 100 percent wrong <sighs> like show dogs are not bred with a drive because they have to be in the ring and all of that stuff so like you could get a show shepherd uh, and that's going to be more of a pet dog because they aren't bred for like working lines are bred with drive right hmm okay i don't know much about that I don't either, but that's how I understand it. Uh, where I mean, I'm sure that exists from obviously Malinois are in shows too, but as far as I know, there's no no such thing as a well-bred Malinois that doesn't have a drive. Hmm. Like you, you breed them for drive, because if you don't have a drive, you get dropped from every single program that Malinois are in. <laughs> and by by drive, you mean like a drive to work? Yeah. Okay. Um. And and again, I could be wrong. I don't like them, so I don't deal with them. But <laughs> but uh, as far as I understand it, and and again, to be fair, like I feel that way about most working dogs. Um, just Malinois in specific are being bought in hordes by idiots, and so it's a bigger problem. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel the same way about Dobermans. I I mean, Mal- Malinois are the only ones that I'm like, yeah, that's not a pet. Um, but I do feel this borderline the same way with working dogs of like yeah you can't have a doberman to just be your house dog like they need work every day mm-hmm. um so i i do feel that way about all working dogs i just malinois i don't feel like our pet dogs pretty much period because even and i mean again there are malinois with low drive don't get me wrong but again as far as i know it's not like shepherds where they have show lines and working lines like i've never heard of a belgian that was bred not to have a drive sure so and i, I could be wrong on that but <laughs> <laughs> but it it's would be very confusing to me if it exists uh whereas shepherds like they bred the working dog out of them to make them family pets that are just naturally protective interesting i've never heard that i'm gonna have to research that more i mean i could be wrong but that's how i understand it <laughs> And again, if you know me, I don't really care if it's factually accurate. This is what I believe. <laughs> oh, no. This is the best thing about Laura is like she does not need a reason to hate you. She'll just do it. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> we've had this conversation a thousand times about doodles. I think they're a fucking abomination, and I don't really care if that's factual or not. It's <laughs> that's just what they are because that's what I believe they are. But you know, you're uh, not so different from Janie in that, like, I'm your person, and so I got a doodle, <laughs> and you still like me. Yeah, but you also <laughs> notice I do not engage on anything having to do with her. <laughs> you hearted the post where I adopted her. I noticed. I did. I kept note of I that. intentionally, because the post on her today kept coming up, and every time I sneered at it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was expecting you to comment, like, she's so ugly or something. I literally <laughs> have to stop myself, because every time you post a doodle, I'm like, because you're always like, oh, look at this cutie. And I'm like, they're not cute. And I literally, there's been multiple times where I've commented and then immediately deleted it, because I'm like, you need to stop being an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> she knows you don't like it. She gets it. Shut the fuck up. So I wrote up my little counterpoint here just to balance this out. So I do agree. Let me make sure I said everything I had to say. Oh, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think I did. I oh, think yeah. Did but so, I mean, like, they're bred to work and getting a lot of exercise is not a job. Yeah. Just to stop it. Yeah. And again, don't talk to me about how some mouths don't have drive. If they don't have drive, they were probably not well bred. So I definitely yourself. agree with that up to a point. I don't think that it is likely that your average uh, person is the right person for a male. And I also definitely 100% agree that if you're an active family who gets a lot of exercise, that does not a male family make. So they're smart and driven. They need a lot more stimulation than just getting exercise. They need like a job to do, like Laura said. But to me, I really, I just don't see them as any different than like, a border collie or a cattle dog or... But I also feel like the mouths that you've... And given I don't work with mouths because I generally don't take them as clients. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like the few mouths that you've had are mouths that don't have drive. Well, and so that's a very fair point too, which is I think it would be really hard to find a good breeder. Like that would be kind of where yes. my issue with it would be. Yeah. Like it's not the breed itself, well, but it would be. And if you did, you're not going to pay that price for a pet. Because sure. a well-bred mal is is not a a well-bred pet price. <laughs> like a well-bred a uh, a well-bred pet dog is going to be anywhere from like two to four thousand dollars <laughs> right <laughs> give or i mean you can go a little bit in either direction uh but i would argue that a well-bred mal is probably going to be over six at least i mean they're bred for police like the police aren't paying four grand for a dog they're probably paying 10 grand i mean those dogs come trained but sure like mouths are different <laughs> Because of the work that they do. They're not a border collie herding fucking sheep. They're fucking police dogs. <laughs> but, I mean, to me, like, a, a police dog who doesn't have a job to do is not different from, like, a herding, job who do- a herding dog who doesn't have a job to do. Like, they both seem like they would be equally stressed out and crazy. A police dog is bred to bite things. Like, bite people. Not always. Like, they do, like, search and rescue and sniffing and, you know, TSA work and stuff but like that. But those dogs aren't generally bred to do that. Like, g- generally, a lot of the mouths aren't the ones doing that work. Those are usually labs and shit. No, Malinois are, are like, excellent search and rescue I mean, dogs. They can, but usually the mouths are the ones doing the, the IPO and the um, bite work. And Germans, that's what, which that's like, what they're, yeah, will bring me that's back what to like researching the two different lines because I just, I again, I haven't heard that, but like, 
I mean, it's just like, I think most breeds are that way. Like germ, uh, like Rottweilers, there's different types of Rottweilers and different types of labs and, and all that. I don't know. I mean, I don't know the specifics, but obviously you can breed for work or breed for, you're not going to put a a fucking working shepherd in a show line. That's a fucking disaster. But I guess like for me, just at the end of the day, what I'm trying to say is like a dog who is bred to work, who is living as a family pet is just going to be the same across the board. Like for the most part to me, like, I don't think like mouths are special in that regard. I disagree. Cool. That's going to make this a popular episode. (laughs) (laughs) so the takeaway from this is that laura hates you and i don't (laughs) (laughs) all right let's wrap this see what happens when i take extra tequila okay you ready for me to wrap this shit up yes please okay i think that about i'm done now a little little but (laughs) i'm gonna keep talking over you I think that about wraps it up. Our 16th episode is ready to be let out of the kennel. You can find me on Instagram <laughs> at Miss Lily's Dogs or on my website, MissLilysDogs.com or my online training platform, Patreon.com slash Dogs. And you can find me on Instagram at LV and my website, ProperPuppersLV.com. I don't know why I'm saying it like that. Pepperpuppers. <laughs> okay. I feel like it's hard to understand what I'm saying when I say that because it's a hard thing to say. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at properpupperslv and my website properpupperslv.com. In our next episode, we're drinking blood orange margaritas and talking about little dogs. I was trying to think of something quippy. I don't have anything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> next time on the Doggeritaville podcast. Thanks for listening to Doggeritaville. Send us an email at doggeritaville at gmail.com. Or send us a DM on Instagram at doggeritaville. And let us know if there are any topics you'd like to see covered. Or if there are any margaritas you want us to try. And don't forget to leave us a review. Until next time, give your dog a treat from us. <laughs>